The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. So today we are doing something special. We're live here at the Amazon Remars conference that's going on in Las Vegas, June 3rd through June 7th, 2019. And recording these uh, live podcast interviews with, with thought leaders, influencers, and some of the amazing people that are here at the Amazon Remars conference that's focused on machine learning and automation, robotics, and, and space. That's what Mars stands for here. So our guest today is Dale Brown, who is VP of Business Development and Operations at Figure 8. Hi, Dale. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Dale. Thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your role at Figure 8. And then maybe for our listeners that don't know what Figure 8 is, just a very quick background on that. Sure. Thing. So Dale Brown, I've been in tech, wow, 30 years. And my background really is in go-to-market relative to either partner strategies, direct enterprise sales, demand gen, all the way through sort of, you know, life cycle of the sale. And I joined the company to hit up partnerships. And I have other jobs because typical to a small, agile sort of organization. So there's lots of other things I do, but my core function is to manage partner relationships, including the one that we have with uh, Amazon. Figure 8 specializes in training data. We help companies actually take raw data or their data and actually add value to it by annotating it and effectively use that to train machine learning models. Well, excellent. So as our, a lot of our listeners know, the key of what makes machine learning work is, of course, data. Because without data, these algorithms are pretty much useless. True. <laughs> bad data leads to bad models, which leads to Absolutely. bad results. So I think our audience hopefully is very well aware of the fact now that garbage in and is garbage out, very much so on the AI side. So from your perspective, you know, what do you see that organizations who are looking to grow and build their machine learning activities and get their machine learning projects off the ground, you know, what do you see as like some of the, the core requirements, the core needs for doing that? And perhaps for those organizations, what do you see as the challenges and pitfalls that are associated with trying to get do their AI projects? Sure. There's an interesting trend where you'll hear frustration because people are talking about the ROI of AI and what's that mean to their business. And this really goes back to some fundamentals of business, which is the 80-20 rule. Figure out what business process or customer experience or particular element on the business side that you want to affect with AI and start with that and actually engage not only your data engineers and the other folks on the technical side of the house, but figure out what would be the board level message why you want to invest in AI based upon solving those business problems. That will get everyone centered on you know the possibility of things and sort of what's needed from the go forward, if you will, and turn it into practical steps. When you talk about data, it's interesting because companies have a lot of data, but they may not have it accessible. One group for data sovereignty, security reasons won't share it with another group. They may not have it annotated, which, you know, when our we have a report, it's called the State of AI, and 66% of the respondents said that the primary barrier was related to data, data management, data wrangling, data annotation. And so you want to ask, you know, what data do we have? What's available? And what are the barriers? It's really critical that you ask your technical folks, what barriers do we have or limitations related to the data do you foresee? And that'll get you centered on sort of early stage solving problems that could get in your way. 
Yeah, that's great because, you know, the dream is to just have this nice, clean, well-labeled data that's easy to work with. You can train models. But for a lot of organizations, they don't have that luxury and they don't have access to high-quality data for their machine learning models. So what can companies do when they don't have that? And also, how should they think about their machine learning data strategy? Sure. So a couple things. If you find out that there's, you're missing something, that there's a gap in the data that you have, there are places that you can go to acquire public data. You can engage our parent company, Appen, as an example, to do data collection for you. And there's organizations that do that. Ultimately, when you're considering the questions you want to answer to train the machine, you want to think through the business process and really think about the edge cases as well. One of the things we do is work with clients as well to figure out what's the highest value data. Because not all data is equal, it turns out, when it comes to machine learning models and training. So there are places you can go, but that's why you asked the question early on. Your second question. So when you look at our state of AI report, you'll see some interesting things. The politics of AI, internal. We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative, vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. Internal to an organization are kind of getting people worn down a little bit, I think. And so, like I said, start with something that's high value. And if you consider what those things are, they would be something that removes friction, that enhances the customer experience, or increases efficiency. And they typically are things that are simple decisions you can have a machine make. If you're trying to build Rome or burn it down... Uh, <laughs> you're going to have a problem because you only won't have the appetite and you won't have some early successes. So keep it on the business side. It's not AI for AI sake. Right, exactly. And I think that's part of some of the things we like to talk about in our methodology training is to really focus on that first step, which is under business requirements and business Correct. understanding. And you know, not every problem is an AI problem. Sometimes you can solve problems easily with a non-cognitive approach, right? Sure. So let's talk about some of the downsides to bad data, right? And some of the things people may not be thinking about. So, I mean, maybe you have some examples or some stories you could tell us about where bad data had perhaps some unintended consequences sure. when used in AI and perhaps, you know, maybe some things that, that companies can do to make sure that they're really feeding in the right data to train these AI models. Sure. So for those folks that are not familiar, when you ask the machine to make a decision, it can be called a judgment or an inference and there's a probability of something being correct. Something above 90% is considered uh, human level accuracy. So think about that and then think about what data you might have access to and where it came from is super important because what can end up happening is, is the dirtiest word in AI today is bias. Yes. And so bias can be introduced inadvertently and to those that are not familiar, you can have judgments or inferences about things that are not only incorrect, that the machine is saying that they're correct, 90% or above, but they also can be brand damaging. There are a number of stories out there where an AI system selected the next Miss America based upon certain, you know, certain attributes, including the color of her skin. 
And that's awful. We want a machine to represent, use data, represent an honest and true answer, but it does something like that. There's all kinds of examples of it. So, but to remove bias is very gritty. And the first thing you want to start with is a narrow scope. And then once I said, is what's the source of your data? How can you trust it? It's the age old adage, which is have diversity on your team specifically that are creating AI systems. It's super important because tension model will get you to ask questions that have more robustness and frankly, not damage your brand and not send the wrong message with the way your systems make decisions. Yeah, you know, one example that we always like to bring up is wedding dresses, because in Western culture, you think of a white wedding gown, but in other cultures, that is not what a wedding dress looks like. So if you don't have a diverse team, you're introducing bias into a data set, whether or not you intentionally want to. Mm Right. And the reason why I bring this answer up is because it's one of those like easy things you'd think like, with an image recognition system, like you're going deploying it in India. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why would you not have any color in your wedding dress? Which is a really interesting question. Makes you wonder a little bit about Western civilization, why everything. But I think there's a reason for it. And I won't even get into that. But- <laughs> Good call. Well, so you're, you're right. You have to actually know the end state. You have to know your, right. your subject matter. And you have to know who that customer is. Your, it could be an internal customer, could it be an external audience. So you have to really think through the process. And we humans take sort of our intelligence for granted sometimes in the way that we deduce things, right? Yeah, Dale. So this has been great. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations and beyond? Sure. So I think that we're going to continue to want things to be practical. And I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is we're going to continue to remove friction enhance customer experience, as well as increase efficiency. But overall, I think that there's going to be a gap that's bridged between the business owner and the technical owners, the stakeholders in the organization, where they actually learn how to create the compelling message that allows funding to move forward. Projects will stay high level of consistency, but more and more things will be going into production. We'll see. Yeah, I think so. And actually sort of following up on that, because we're going to have a little more time with you here, And that is that, you know, I'm curious to see like the nature of the projects. Are you starting to see that the nature of the kinds of projects that are now coming through, the kinds of things maybe that you're doing labeling activities, Mm -hmm. is this changing? You know, when I know when we think of labeling, a lot of times it's around image recognition and classification and bounding boxes and things like that. Is that still the bread and butter or like are you starting to see text and are you seeing other sorts of applications, knowledge graphs? How is the universe of the things that the kinds of projects you're seeing changing? Great question. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm really proud of figure eight is that we handle audio, video, text, and images. And we got started text. And so when it's a mixed media sort of scenario, we do really great things for our customers. We also have a lot of customers we can't talk about. So some of those are the most interesting things. But what we're seeing is that, as an example, that scientist level requirements, like let's say labeling cancer cells, has been something that folks want to do. But they're limited not only by the data that's available, that's annotated, but they think that specialists have to do this. So once they work with us, they actually understand that we can get a certain level of accuracy. The net is, is that we had a bake-off with a series of oncologists labeling images for cancer cells, and we had a series of laymen, people that were just, you know, answered a series of questions and had some light training. We were in one point of accuracy. They were at 97% and we were at 96%. So this is like trained radiologists versus just... Correct, correct. Random workers. Correct. And so what that says is is that we're starting to see that the use case is a high level of sort of not just aspirational, but a great thing to do in everyday life, eliminate cancer. And so the trend is, is not just in the use case, but how the use case gets solved, right? So... That's number one. Number two is, I think that we've gone through the wave of, you know, chatbot, 
in sort of the basics of customer experience. So I think the next thing is going to be a series of sort of how do we become more innovative? There are people in the entertainment industry today that are looking for ways to enhance customer experience that sort of breaks the mold to the degree that like it's been 20 years since someone said, wow, I did this on the internet, right? Right, right. And so I think we're going to see those kinds of use cases and maybe probably a series of patents and other things. But I think the major brands across the world are going to look for new ways to engage customers and surprise and delight them. Yeah, thanks for that insight. You know, we are very excited to see where this is going. And I think that organizations vary in their level of how they understand AI right now and how they're using it. And so some are just at their infancy and they are still trying to get a conversational chatbot or they're still trying to figure out, you know, some sort of process automation within their organization. And I think that more are there than you think. But then there are these other companies that are just doing these great things or there's a division within a company that's just, wow, excelling at this. And so it's interesting to kind of see how everything is coming together as a market. I agree 100%. And we could ask some interesting questions because people, um, maybe they have a specific role, but it's the first time they're launching a project. And so they're learning sort of as they go. And so, you know, we have a lot of patience with that. It's not unusual for us to help a data scientist, you know, put the, the ontology together or help a product manager figure out the business case and how to extend their product sort of in in a new way going forward. And I think that that's going to continue to happen. I don't think AI is going to be standalone. I think it's going to be revolutionary because it's embedded, right? Right. And people will just learn how to sort of better get things together. It's like taking anything to market, though. Honestly, it's a passionate drudge at times, but you just keep pushing through it and you keep refining and you have to have lots of grit. So if you're just getting started out there, I would say start today and start with something small. Great. So one final question. What can you tell us? Obviously, fairly relatively you know, recent news here, of course, mm-hmm. the acquisition yes. of Figure 8 by Apple. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story sure. and how, to the extent that you can, and maybe sort of like what we should be maybe looking for going forward? Yeah. So Appen was one of our biggest competitors, and so we had a lot of respect for them. The, the scale of their organization, the scale of their capability to annotate data but also curate the folks that do the annotation in a way that might be appropriate for language, localization. It might be um, highly trained specialists that work on a customer's premise. And so we didn't do that because we were platform centric. And so it turns out at the same time, they were looking for platform technology that would orchestrate things in broker efficiency and accuracy in sort of across the spectrum of, of the developing AI market. And so it was a great marriage. They you know, took the time to take a look at us and effectively think about this. They have a million annotators. And we, you know, our tools, if you've looked at our machine learning assisted video annotation tool, it's 100 times faster than labeling video frame by frame by hand, which is what most other tools do. So you think about you know, just the force multiplication of better tools for you know, fit for purpose over a million annotators. So I think there's gonna be great things uh, between the two firms. For now, where our branding is figure eight and app end company. You know, I don't know what, what's next, although I do know that the people have been great to work with and, and I really am proud of the figure eight team. So it's been a good thing. And I'm happy to say it's, you know, it's, it's one of the early successful exits in AI. There's not many of them. Yeah, that is good to point out. So, you know, we always like to follow the market very broadly, not as a financial analyst, but just to very broadly follow the market and see where things are going. And so hopefully this is the beginning of great successes to come. Yes, I really think that we're going to see a lot more because people can't boil the ocean alone. It takes a village, right? I know I'm mixing my metaphors. Uh, thanks, I borrowed those. Uh, we're but, uh, not boiling any villages here. but that's Yes, let's, let's not do that. But I think that we're going to see acquisition and consolidation, but in a positive way for sure. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has really been a very informative podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really yeah. appreciate it.
Yeah, Dale, we really appreciate you participating. And for those who are listening, you're hearing the ambient noise there of the Amazon Remars conference, but that's because we're here in the middle and this is important that we're part of this whole experience. And I know that App Configurator are also a big part of the experience here at Amazon Remars. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.